I would invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, uh, what a gift it is to slow down and find ourselves uh, in this moment where we get to turn our hearts and minds, our eyes and ears toward you, um, to receive that which you have uh, to speak into us this day. God, uh, the story of uh, your son's birth and all that occurred in and around and through it is a magnificent story. And God, we are so grateful. Uh, it was a story that was uh, created, lived, and given uh, to us so that we might know you more, um, so that we might experience and receive your saving love and grace. Um, allow us to hear the story uh, this morning. Allow this story um, to enter um, us and uh, continue to shape us as we seek to live our lives in faithful response to all that you are and all that you have done. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. So our scripture this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, uh, the second chapter, verses 1 to 23. Let us listen together for God's word for us this day. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This to was fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son." 
When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. It is easy in the midst of our Christmas celebrations to forget what the birth of Jesus really meant when it occurred in the ancient Near East, to forget what it truly means in our world today. Images of a newborn baby nestled in a manger, surrounded by adoring parents, animals, and their shepherds, as angels sing Gloria up above and a golden light emanates from the little one down below, those images leave our hearts warm as we take in the peaceful scene. In Luke's account of Jesus' birth, as the first Christmas comes to a close, shepherds are leaving the scene, glorifying and praising God as Mary ponders all that has happened in her heart. The feel is so similar to the close of our own Christmas Eve service, as we stand in a circle of candlelight, singing the words to Silent Night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Silent, calm, tender, mild, heavenly peace. All words that elicit images of a tranquil scene of a baby born, New life calmly and quietly making its entrance into the world. Yet when we turn to Matthew's account of that same entrance, we are reminded that Jesus' coming was not all peace and serenity some 2,000 years ago. And if we are really willing to take it in, it shouldn't be today either. It was into the world of the Roman Empire that Jesus was born, where Judea, the people of Israel, are ruled by Herod the Great, the Roman-appointed Gentile king of the Jews. He is not descended of King David's line. He's appointed by Rome's emperor instead of the one true God. There are once again heavenly messengers in this story, but the message comes through the sign of a star that rises in the east and beckons magi to follow it so that they might be messengers in their own regard. 
They come and bring word and warning to Herod, the false king. There is a newborn king of the Jews, and he will not be found in Herod's house. When Herod hears this news, Scripture tells us that he is frightened, threatened. And as the story unfolds from there, we are reminded of what fear can breed in the world. Herod works to deceive the Magi so that they will lead him to Jesus. Yet when an angelic dream keeps them from playing into Herod's hand, we watch the evil fear bears play out as Herod seeks to eliminate the threat to his power and position that Jesus poses by having all the male children of his age in and around Bethlehem killed. Here in Matthew's Gospel, the words silent, calm, tender, mild, just don't fit. And as Joseph is awakened to the threat to Jesus' life by an angelic messenger in his dreams, we realize there is no sleeping in heavenly peace for the Holy Family once Herod is alerted to Jesus' birth. Instead, they are on the run, told to flee to Egypt to escape the coming massacre, made to flee so that Jesus' life and the promise it bears are not snuffed out by the destructive forces Herod is about to unleash upon Bethlehem. Matthew reminds us that God entering the scene truly upends the world as we know it, and that God's activity has always been a threat to those in positions of power in our world. The peace that Rome claimed to bring to its empire was a peace won by methods like Herod's. It was not a true peace, but instead Rome, using its power and might to conquer and subdue the people and nations it overtook. It was a society where those without Roman citizenship were left on the outside without basic rights and the ability to navigate their world freely. As his life continues to unfold, it is clear that Jesus comes to upend the power structures of our world, to usher in a new kingdom that is a direct challenge to Rome's empire, and that from the very beginning, all the way up until the very end of Jesus' time on earth, he is a threat that needs to be eliminated in the eyes and hearts of those in power. As we once again take in the story of Christ's birth and what it meant in his time, we are invited to consider what it means in our own. God invites us to consider and claim our place in the story. Are we like Herod, the chief priests and scribes before us, comfortable in the kingdoms of today? Do we enjoy power and position in our world that would be threatened by the coming of God's kingdom? Are we at risk of clinging to what is rather than following after the light that leads to what could be through God's activity in our lives and world. Where would we be in the midst of the story as it continues to unfold? Would we be with the citizens of Jerusalem, threatened and afraid, happy to let Herod seek to maintain his place and position because of what it affords us? 
Or would we align ourselves with the Magi, following the light to see what new thing God is doing in the world? Or might we take our place with the Holy Family, willing to listen to the angel's call, willing to get up and go, willing to smuggle new life into the world and across borders so that life has a chance to grow and to bear all that it is meant to in the world. What place will we take? What part will we play as the story of God's coming continues to unfold in our world today? There are plenty of destructive forces at work in the here and now, and if we trace those forces back to their root, like Herod's before them, their origin story time and time again begins with fear. Fear of not having enough, fear of not being enough, fear of losing what is, fear of losing place, position, power, Fear of the other, fear of the unknown, fear of not being in control. All of these fears can be seen in Herod's heart, and his fear beckons us to consider our own. I do not want to be another citizen of Jerusalem, threatened by God's activity in the world, afraid for God's kingdom to come. I do not want to be another citizen of Jerusalem, willing to turn a blind eye to what those in power will do, what life they are willing to snuff out in order to hold on to what they deem is theirs. I do not want to be another citizen of Jerusalem who prefers the safety and security of what I already know, of life as it is, to the journey of following the light toward God's kingdom toward what could be if I truly welcomed Christ into my heart and life, if we truly welcomed Christ into the world. Jesus came so that all would know that they belong to the kingdom of God. Jesus came so that all would know the love of God, a love that is powerful, a love that knows no end. A love that has no limits, a love that recognizes no borders, a love that came to save us, a love that lives with us, a love that was sent to save us, to save us from ourselves, a love that will lead us away from fear and the destruction it breeds, a love that leads to life every single time. I want to align myself with that love to live as a citizen of God's kingdom, to be willing to awaken to the angel's voice and heed the messenger's call. I want to be one who watches the stars in the sky, the movement in my life, to catch signs of God's activity and chase after them so I too might see what God has done. I want to be one who is willing to bear God's love into the world one who will protect it from what threatens to quench it, one who will smuggle it into whatever corner of the world God calls me to go. We all have a part to play in this story. We get to choose what role we will take. As we step into this new year, 
What fear is God calling us to relinquish? As we step into this new year, what destruction is God inviting us to resist? As we step into this new year, how are we being invited to get up and go? As we step into this new year, how might we be a part of bringing more life to the world? Amen.